Welcome to Innovation Insights, the podcast where we explore innovation in all aspects of life. I'm your host, Stephanie Wallace Sanders, and today I'm delighted to welcome Lisa Bratton Smith, founder and owner of Finding the Balance Within LLC. Lisa has been practicing yoga, mindfulness, and meditation since 1994 and teaching since 2002. She is also a trained teacher of mindful self-compassion and obtained her certification through the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion. Lisa currently serves as a sustainable wellness coach for a school district in Colorado, combining her social work, yoga, meditation training to support staff and students with their overall well-being through mindfulness-based wellness programs. In December 2019, as the yoga studio that she had been teaching at for 14 years closed its doors, Lisa had the idea to teach yoga virtually. She began teaching via Zoom in January 2020 with many of her longtime students. Little did she or anyone else know that months later, this would be the only way they would be able to meet as the COVID-19 pandemic took hold. These virtual classes were a lifeline for both Lisa and her students in an extremely challenging time. Lisa's Saturday morning yoga classes expanded to include virtual retreats and workshops with other yoga teachers and wellness practitioners of all kinds, creating a space for building community across the country. As she looks towards wrapping up her career with the school district, Lisa's developing plans to share experience with others. This will include teaching more yoga, meditation, and self-compassion classes, plus providing compassion and coaching, Reiki, and sound healing treatments. Additionally, Lisa looks forward to supporting schools and businesses in developing mindfulness-based wellness programs that support well-being and decrease stress and burnout. Personally, I've known Lisa since age nine, as we grew up together in Lamar, Colorado. We recently connected again when her son Ellington chose to pursue his engineering degree at Iowa State University. I've been fortunate to participate in virtual classes with Lisa. So, Lisa, it is great to see you today. Thanks for joining us on Innovation Insight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to spend this time with you. Oh, I so appreciate you. So can you tell us about your personal journey and how did that lead to you establishing Finding the Balance Within? I began my yoga practice in 1994 as a way to manage the stress of being a young social worker in the very stressful world of child protective services. I needed to find something to ground myself and care for myself and thought I would try out yoga wasn't making a lot of money as a culture worker. So I started with some books and videos and found that having a regular home practice was really actually something I loved and really made a huge difference for me emotionally and physically. And then in, I learned high touch Jinshin, which is a Japanese energy work. And I actually learned it initially from one of our mutual friends we grew up with, Doug Bliley. <laughs> And then I found that to be a really amazing tool to support both my well-being and that of my family. And while I was at 
the second Jinchen training that I was at, I discovered a flyer for a yoga teacher training um, course that was happening at the community college of Aurora, uh, which is one of the, the building where we were doing the training in. So I signed up for that and um, have been teaching uh, yoga since 2002. I started teaching in a few different places. And then before I found the studio that I taught at Harmony Yoga for a long time. And then I also was utilizing yoga with my students who I provided direct mental health services to in the school district. And as part of my teacher training, I was teaching some practice classes in the school or to the teachers at school as well. And just really enjoyed bringing yoga and mindfulness into that setting. There's a lot of stress in education. <laughs> and when, as adults, when we're stressed, um, we tend to not behave our best. And so um, it was a way for me to also provide those supports to teachers and other educators so that then they could show up as their best selves for their students. Um, and then teaching students those skills as well. I just continued to grow my practice and learning to lead meditation, mindfulness. I took a variety of kids yoga teacher training. And a couple of years ago, I completed another 300-hour yoga teacher training where I learned or I was certified to teach yin yoga, restorative yoga nidra, and a variety of other things. So I really enjoy expanding that repertoire of what to bring to people because not everybody needs the same thing and allows me to have more tools to adjust and adapt to what people need. And then my latest <laughs> adventure in learning new tools is I did a sound healing training certification last spring and have begun doing offering sound baths and also sound healing along with Reiki treatment. What dedication to go through all the trainings and to teach these methods properly? I think it's a little double-edged. I do it really, I think it always starts with what do I need? And then because it benefits me so much, then I'm like, I have to share it with other people. So <laughs> that meets both needs. <laughs> oh, that's very gracious in giving up you to do that, having benefited from your, your gifts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so your website, you offer a variety of classes. And so how do these practices contribute to helping individuals find balance within, the, within themselves? Engaging in practices like yoga, Reiki, and sound healing provides us the opportunity to tune inward and increase our awareness of our own mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. In our society, we are taught and encouraged to ignore our bodies and push through and keep going. And I always say in education that we go until we fall down and then we keep going while we're down on the ground. And it's really not healthy for us. And when we keep pushing through instead of pausing to tune into ourselves, then we end up with physical and emotional illness or disease. And when we, when, by providing space and giving people permission to pause, I feel like it's a gift that allows us to tr listen to our own internal wisdom. It allows it that space to arise. And we learn to trust ourselves, our intuition, our inner knowing. And when we're able to do that, that's when we can begin to heal and move forward and begin to shift the pattern that may be harming us. 
But we really need support in doing that, as I said, because that's not the message that we're given in society and often in our families as well, that we need that community care and support to provide that space for us. That makes sense. And, you know, community has been something that has come up in this podcast quite often and building that community and having that support, whether it's family, friends, people you work with, and having them align with the thoughts that wellness is important, well-being is important. Absolutely. As I mentioned, we've known each other for over 40 years. Uh, (laughs) And so going all the way back to elementary school and thinking about your experiences, can you share any experiences from your past that have influenced your path? towards holistic wellness? Absolutely. I had a very crazy family life. (laughs) There's a lot of stress in childhood due to family circumstances. And consequently, I was a very anxious child. And I would often freeze to the point where I I was unable to speak. But my go-to stress response is to smile from ear to ear and giggle. So it was beneficial in many ways. But I, I remember times when I literally couldn't speak because of anxiety and people were asking me questions and all I could do was, <laughs> the more stress I would get, the higher pitched it would get. So laughter is still a huge part of who I am and is often a stress relief as well, but it's also a, a joyous part of who I am. As a child, I tried to manage with the chaos and uncertainty uh, by being as perfect as I could. Uh, which of course I feel that regularly because I'm human. <laughs> um, and then in my 20s, I actually began experiencing a variety of health issues that impact were impacting my quality of life. I was holding all of that stress and trauma in my body. And through the guidance and support of a wonder, er, wonderful herbalist who I found and some dear friends and therapists along the way, I began tuning into my body and really listening to it. And then my practice of learning the practices of yoga, meditation, and breath work were really essential tools to begin the healing process. So I think, again, that's because I have found it so valuable, I feel like it's so important to share. Thank you for sharing your story and, um, again, your gift. It's really, it's wonderful. As many people may be unfamiliar with practices such as Reiki and sound baths, could you explain a little bit more about those and how someone's overall well-being can benefit from these? Yes, absolutely. Reiki is universal life force energy, and it works with our body's own healing power to release energy blocks, blockages and create a deep sense of ease. I had one of my energy work teachers who talked about that as the practitioner, we're like the jumper cables for someone else's energy. So it's not that I'm providing the healing. I'm really jump-starting your system and supporting you. The, the Reiki flows through me into you. And then sound healing is an ancient modality that uses vibration of various instruments to bring the body, mind, and spirit into balance. And the singing bowls that I use are tuned to each of our chakras, And the chimes are tuned to the five elements of earth, air, fire, water, and space. 
And experiencing the sound bath brings a deep sense of relaxation as well as clearing energy blockages. So really like combining them together because it's even more powerful for people. Additionally, when you receive either or both treatments together, it allows time for just stillness and to receive where so often we are going and doing um, and giving ourselves to others that we all need to take that time to just receive and rest. I actually was doing a treatment yesterday and my client, who's also a friend, shared that when she is receiving the Reiki and sound healing, it's one of the few places where she feels completely safe and she can fully let down her guard. So I just see it as such a powerful gift for people to offer for themselves. Yeah, that's amazing. I want to try the sound bath at some point too. I'm doing them, adding the virtual option now. So even though you're across the country, you could join. <laughs> I will have to do that. So how do you approach the integration of physical and mental well-being into your classes and services? Because sometimes people focus on the mental, sometimes on the physical, but your work seems to bring them together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's partly being a social worker and that's really focused on the mental and emotional piece and then adding the yoga piece. Initially, people often come to yoga for the physical piece, like that's, that's what gets them in the door often. And then they begin to experience how the body and mind are linked together, contrary to what our society often professes. During my classes and treatments, I listen to what my clients and students share about how they're feeling and what's going on in their lives. And then I tune into my own intuition and experiences to support them. So I also access uh, my knowledge of mental and emotional connections between our physical symptoms and how energy flows in our bodies. And I'm always exploring ways of understanding these connections and sharing those with my clients and students teaching different types of breath work that support the emotional needs as well as physical needs, different movements. Um, One of the things I remember most about my yoga teacher training was that the psychological connection between different types of movement. So for example, a forward fold, the psychological connection with that is the sense of surrender and letting go. And so teaching people those pieces of information and also integrating them into the practice can be really powerful to make that connection. Also, I always say that I teach what I need to hear. When people come to me for support and teaching, I always know that I am taking something from that as well. I learn from them and I reconnect to my own healing journey when I share information and tools with them. So it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> oh, balancing a personal life, and which I know you're extremely busy there with your children and family, your husband, and then running a, a wellness business plus your regular work. And what strategies have you found most effective for maintaining your own balance as an entrepreneur. That definitely can be challenging. (laughs) Some of the key things I think are creating self-care routines that are just part of my normal daily habit, but that has helped. So it doesn't feel like it's an extra or an add-on or I'm going to forget to do it because I don't have it scheduled in. 
community support, asking for help, asking people to take on tasks or do things for me so that I can have the time to take care of myself. I only have one self to take care of myself. Remembering to say yes to the things that bring me joy and no to the things that don't as much as possible. And really honoring that essential need for rest and building in time for it. So I read Rest is Resistance by Tricia Hershey earlier this year, and it was such a powerful book for me in lots and lots of ways. But that reminder that rest is truly essential to our well-being and to caring for ourselves and is really should be the priority over all the other doing (laughs) that we do, because we can't do any of that if we aren't caring for ourselves. So making sure that I'm um, honoring that in myself is really essential. And then uh, something that I do with my full-time work that I try to um, carry over into um, this work, entrepreneurial work, is scheduling in time of when I'm going to do work. Because otherwise, either I procrastinate and it doesn't happen, or I, I just am doing it for long periods of time, staying up late and not finding that balance with it. So if I build in some of that time, not that it doesn't ever go over or what, or I need to move it or whatever, but at least I know I like a little bit of a plan of when I'm doing the work, when I'm resting, when I'm having fun, all of that kind of thing. But I am not a strict schedule person that some people they are and that really works for them. I'm a flexible schedule. (laughs) I like to. I, I jokingly say that I like structure. My husband scoffs at me if I say that. So what I have to say is I like structure with a lot of flexibility in the middle. <laughs> like a little bit. <laughs> so plan, a plan in, in planning those. And I really love what you said about saying yes to the things that give me joy because sometimes it feels a little guilty to say yes to the things that you enjoy doing. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does. And that's actually one of the things as I'm looking at retiring from the school district that I'm not retiring from working, but just retiring to saying more yeses to the fun parts of of my work that I want to continue and saying no and letting go to the meetings that don't apply to me and the on and on, the things I don't want to do. So I'm excited about that um, as well. Well, I think that's a really nice takeaway. From this is giving yourself that permission to say yes to what you enjoy to do. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's essential, actually, more than okay. It's critical to having life and job satisfaction to yeah. say yes to those things that bring us joy. Yeah, that's right. Okay, it's essential. Yes. <laughs> it's like I'm in like a, a therapy session here myself. Okay. <laughs> oh. So the concept of finding balance within is universal, but uh, it can mean different things to different people. So how do you customize your services to your clients? Because I know that you do some one-on-one meetings with people, some intake meetings with clients. How do you go about As you said, balance looks different to all of us, and it's also different from day to day. And I get to give our good friend Doug credit here again. I had a conversation with him many years ago. I can't even tell you. It was probably in the 90s. (laughs) We were talking about balance and he was feeling frustrated 
that people kept telling him he needed to find balance. And he's, what does that even mean? So we really explored it. And I think that was one of the seeds of coming this direction. But we explored that it really cannot be the same every day. Like none of us can do the exact same things and then expend the exact same amount of energy every day. I don't know, maybe somebody, but certainly not most of us. Because some days people need more from us and some days they need less from us. And some days we need more from them and vice versa. So I encourage clients to participate in the practices that speak to them and provide them tools and supports for them to explore their own inner balance. But to explore both internally, what do I need? And what can I give? And some days it's, oh, I have a lot to give. And then some days it's, no, I'm pretty depleted. I need to refill, whether it's refilling myself or, or asking for support from others. Holding space for where and who they are is probably the most powerful service I can provide. Just again, reminding people that they are enough as they are in this moment and they don't need fixed or rescued and that they have the tools that they need within them. They just need the support to access them. Very positive, very positive, which I so appreciate about you and your approach to life and everything. Very positive. Oh, today we have a lot of digital platforms and online presence is important for businesses. So how has technology played a role in your business and services uh, for finding the balance with that? As you mentioned, I, as my studio was closing, I had the idea because I was laying in Shavasana with my students. And one of the last couple of classes that we were teaching and I just, it just came in. I was like, I should teach on Zoom. So that's what I did. Um, and I was so grateful to have had that little bit of um, insight to start it out, get some of the key out of it. And then we were actually exploring finding a, a space, an in-person space at the time when everything went virtual. So I was really grateful to have that opportunity. And that's actually when I then started, once COVID hit, I started the website and wanting to have more resources online. Through the school district, we've created a great number of wellness classes, yoga, meditation, and mindfulness classes for staff to take asynchronously. So at times that work for them. So that's really like the next step that I want to do with my um, website and, and business to provide that to the broader community um, because we can't always make it to that class at that specific time. And um, I think it can be really valuable for, valuable for people to have those tools available when they want them and when it, when it works for them. And we have I've students, educators in my school district who have taken those asynchronous classes over and over the ones like the yoga and the meditation classes because it just is so beneficial for them i think having that online presence is really important and again finding the balance between how much time we're online how much time we're in person and trying to have both of those options i have in june started doing the in-person sound baths and then in september started offering the virtual option. We had a little glitch in September, or no, I guess it was August. We had a little glitch, but we, we have it we figured out. So when we do the October one, we'll be all good. 
<laughs> but I think, again, giving people options of participating in ways that work for them. Yeah, and that really makes it very inclusive, too, and a way to build a larger community by doing that. Very strategic and also just giving. Yeah. Right. It also means that we don't have to leave the house on a cold winter morning to go to There's many I think about that in the winter months. I'm like, oh, yeah, so nice not to scrape our cars or go through the drive through the snow. Nice. Very convenient. Oh, and good. What advice do you give to someone who is just starting out their journey for its holistic well being? Or also, this is the second part of the question considering starting their own wellness business. In terms of starting with their own holistic well being, I would say, again, tune into your intuition and listen to what speaks to you. If it's energy work or yoga or Tai Chi or breath work, whatever it is that speaks to you, I think that's the path to follow. I have a couple of people who I trained as Reiki practitioners earlier this summer, and two of them were like, it just kept coming. Like Reiki kept coming up and coming up and then they met me and we were talking and they were like, I just feel like I need to get trained in this. And I was like, I can do that. So I think like when those opportunities keep coming or the information keeps coming in front of you, like those are the ones, or if you're just drawn to it. So for me, yoga was, I was just interested in it. I was drawn to it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this out. And it was just life changing for me. So following that path that works for you, I think it doesn't have to look like anyone else's. Well, wellness practices, it really shouldn't look like other people's wellness practices. It should look like yours. So taking what other people share with you and then making it your own. And then in terms of um, starting a business, I would say start small. Don't try to do everything all at once. Um, ask questions, ask for help, ask for support. I have other friends who are doing yoga and wellness businesses, and, and I'm always asking them questions and we're collaborating together on things. And it really makes a big difference because otherwise I think you can feel very isolated as an entrepreneur, particularly doing things online, um, building that community, supporting others uh, and becoming successful just as you'd want them to support you. We can all succeed together. I don't want to bring the competitiveness into wellness, but it's there. And obviously people, people need to make a living doing their, during their work. So it is, that can be a tricky balance, but one step at a time. <laughs> but as we mentioned that competitiveness, one thing that I've noticed over the years that entrepreneurs or startups or business are willing to be much more collaborative and supportive of each other. And there's more of an understanding that there is enough opportunities out there to share those pieces of the pie. And with, yeah, being very rose-colored glasses about it. I have my rose-colored glasses here. I love it. I think it's a good way to look at the world. I'm <laughs> hoping that is where we're going within the business world. Now, whether you're a smaller business or a larger business. Yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. That you know, entrepreneurs can um, support each other. Innovators can too. When I was even teaching yoga in person at the studio, people would come to my class or they'd go to someone else's class. And I always just said, if I'm what people need, they will 
find me, they'll come back. Yeah. And if it's not a good fit, then they'll find someone else. Otherwise, I think you would can get B and clinging to wanting to have all the things when we can provide. I can teach yoga for all millions of people in the world. I <laughs> they would I would not match with everyone. I need to just provide the services to the people who think with me and who I have what they need. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, you mentioned some of your future plans and goals for finding the balance. Are there any other upcoming projects? I know you mentioned to me um, some travel or excursions. Are you still thinking about that also? Yes. Yes. I'm going to be working on building some of those courses that people could take from my website on yoga and breath work and meditation. I've been offering some mindful self-compassion courses. There's a short course that's six weeks and then a longer course that's nine weeks that has um, more of the meditation built into it. It's a really transformative course, but I'd like to offer those more um, to the wider community. Continuing monthly sound baths and again, adding that virtual piece into it. And then I would love to do more retreats. Um, not working full-time, I'll have more energy for that. And some of those will be domestic retreats here. And I'd also like to do some international retreats and, and build that over time. And then the last thing is to um, begin to de uh, develop some mindfulness programming in schools and businesses that are interested in providing that support. We've had a lot of success in our school district. We have a lot of good data on how that has improved achievement and well-being for students and well-being and job satisfaction for staff. So I'd like to be able to share what we've learned with others. Oh, that's great. So it's a business or a corporation or school want to depend to you and say, we'd like for you to develop some programming for us. You're willing to do that. Absolutely. That's great. I feel like a wonderful service also that you're all free to. I think it's important to not just take all that I've learned and just keep it to myself. I feel like it's important to share it. So. I'm trying to share it as much as I can with my um, teammates. We have an intern from the University of Denver this year sharing with her as well. And again, just empowering people that they are able to care for themselves. They have those tools to set the boundaries they need to help each other set those boundaries and be accountability partners for each other. And what you said about sharing yeah, as we were both 4-H'ers together, and my mother was our 4-H leader. And so she used to always say, Leslie, Yolanda, I, I never have any problems sharing my knowledge and what I learned uh, with other people. It doesn't hurt me to to give it away because it, it's just not something to hoard. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You have that. We've explored over the years as our own core values. Um, and one of the things that... Your mom probably planted a seed in there as well was making a difference is one of my core values. And I can't, like I said, keep it all to myself. I feel like it's such a, so essential to help others. Yes. Also how I ended up in social work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that makes sense. Oh, are there any other things that you'd like to share with us before I get to our last question? <laughs> I think just 
that if people were interested in having any one-on-one coaching or interested in bringing any of these healing and wellness modalities Mm -hmm. to their works, to their home and families, that just to reach out. And I would love to uh, collaborate with them in providing those support. Excellent. And we'll make sure that your website information is on the podcast page too, so that people can can contact you uh, and stay up to date about what you're doing. Sign up for the newsletter. I send it out once a month. I'm always happy to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, our last question, the the hard question I ask every guest, how do you define innovation? I gave it some thought. And for me, innovation is expanding perspective and trying new ways of connecting with others and bringing tools and resources to them. And for me, again, it's it's combined with everything that we've said, it's empowering people to honor, accept, and heal themselves. It can feel innovative in a world where there's someone with a magic cure-all, fix-all remedy around every corner. And I feel very passionate about reminding people that they are enough just as they are, which also reminds me that I am too. Oh, that's, that's too lovely. That's perfect. Lisa, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you for joining us today on Innovation Insight. Your passion for well-being and creating balance in life is inspirational and essential for all of our listeners. One thing I took away from this is that, yes, say yes to the things you enjoy doing. And it's essential to do it. It's not just okay. It's essential. And so for our (laughs) listeners, I hope this conversation has sparked new ideas and new perspectives and perhaps even ignited a flame of curiosity to explore and innovate within your own spheres of influence. Remember, innovation is not just about technology or groundbreaking discoveries. It's about how we think, connect, and bring our unique talents and insights to positive change. I am Dr. Yolanda Sanders, and I'm signing off until our next episode. So keep innovating, keep dreaming, keep making a difference.